Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. The graveyard riddle, we're freaking out because we need to know, we need to know, is Hal a good kid or a bad kid? Right, Pay? Yep. Okay. We're on chapter 30. When the ambulance arrived, Mum stood beside with Sheila and Mr. Charles. They were taking or talking in hushed voices, looking at Mr. Jenkins' house. He still hadn't reappeared. The ambulance took Sue and Jake to the hospital. All the neighbors are headed back to their house. Mum put her arm around me and walked to the door. You and Matthew were very brave, she said, giving me a little squeeze. Poor Jake. That must have been very frightening. I felt like I wanted to cry. Everything had happened so quickly. Mum closed her front door and Frankie came down the hall to the hallway to say hello. I picked him up and gave him a cuddle. Sheila said that Rory Jenkins didn't believe that Jake was sick, Said Mum said. She said he was saying all sorts of nasty things to him. I nodded. Yes, he shouted at him. He's really not nice to Jake, Mum. I said he's been going on, it's been going on for a while now and he picks on him at school. Mum frowned. Okay, she said. Sheila has got to talk to Sue <clears throat> when she can and also speak to your school about him. I'll have a word with him about Hannah. With Hannah, I think. That was good news. Mr. Jenkins was going to be exposed as a bully at last. Around 10 p.m., I got a text from Matthew saying that Jake was still at the hospital, but that Sue had texted his mom and and he was still improving. I texted back saying that I was pleased that he was okay. There was a bit of a pause, and then Matthew replied, We need to tell the police about whatever happened with old Nina's brooch and with Jake. There are too many questions. He has gone far enough. I stared at my phone. I kept thinking back to the moment when Hal had offered the biscuits around. Had he really been trying to hurt Jake? I typed my reply. Anything could have happened to old Nina's brooch, and I'm pretty sure that what happened to Jake was an accident, Accident, Maddie. There was a pause, and then Matthew's answer popped onto my screen. How sure? 100%? He was right. I couldn't be 100%. I wasn't 100% certain, but I still didn't know that the boy in the playhouse who had shown me the magic tricks and asked for my help in a criminal investigation had tried to physically harm Jake. And part of me, a very big part of me, still wanted to believe that he was a spy. That he hadn't lied to me. That there was only one way I could find out the truth. I could try to solve that Martin Stone case by finding a missing necklace, and then we would know for sure. We can go to the police. I need to do one more thing before I try to solve this case, though. Just one more, just a bit more, please. I stared at my phone for another 20 minutes, but Matthew didn't reply. There was probably a riddle waiting to be found right this very second. I had to check as soon as possible. I knew that Mum wouldn't let me go to the graveyard this late. I had to make another nighttime visit there. But this time, I would, I would go after I heard Mum would go to bed. Oh, I would go on my very own. After I heard mom go to bed, I waited for another 20 minutes and then I got up. I pulled my dressing gown up and tiptoed down the stairs. This time, Frankie heard me. His claws clicked across the kitchen floor as he got up to see what was going on. When he saw me, his tail began to wag, his eyes blinking and winking from being woken up. Go back to sleep, Frankie, I said, stroking his long ears. It's not time for a walk. I'll be back soon. 
He sat down and watched as I quickly put my sneakers on and picked up a key from the side table. I opened the door and stepped into the night. The graveyard was much darker than it had been when Matthew and I had gone to get Hal. The sky was cloudy and there was no bright moon shining down onto the sky in the light way, to, to light the way. I looked around at the dark gray cold headstones and wished that I had a flashlight, <coughs> that I had the flashlight that I had lent to Hal. Shadows swayed this way and that, and for a second I'd imagined that they were shadows of the dead coming out at night, dancing among the gravestones, then returning back to their tombs before daylight. I shivered. Don't start thinking like that, Melody, I said to myself. Come on, you've got a job to do. The white headstones in the newest part of the cemetery seemed to give off a welcome glow of light. I sped up, hurrying to the grave where Martin Stone had been leaving notes and supposedly watering dead, his dead wife's roses. Every now and then, I checked behind me. I felt like I was being watched, but each time I looked, nobody was there. I got to the gravestone and stopped. There were there was the exact spot where Mr. S where Martin Stone had been when I first had seen him. Standing under a red umbrella, I glanced into the inscription on the headstone. In loving memory of Margaret Young, my beloved wife, mother, grandmother. That was weird. She didn't. She didn't have Stone in her surname. Maybe maybe she hadn't taken his name? I checked around the grave, and there it was. Tucked between the headstone and the soil was a note. I grabbed it and brushed off the dirt and began to read. The man who made it did not want it. The man who bought it did not use it. The man who used it did not know it. It didn't make any sense. I read it three times more, and it made certain that I memorized it exactly, and then I put it back where I'd found it. And? Peyton has ditched us. She is in sleepy night night land. All right. We'll see you guys in the morning. Say goodbye. Bye. <laughs>